The room was dark, but for the huge computer banks. Myriad tiny lights winked on and off as the machines ran complex calculations. A strip of ticker tape spooled down into a tray that was already full. Beside the tray, a gap had been left between the machines. A gap just the right size for... again and no bones broken. That's all right for you to say. I'll be black and blue for days. Yes, yes, good. Good, Victoria. I wonder where we are. But, Doctor, we hit something. We must have. Never mind that, Jamie. Now, come and see. Now, uh, do you know what this is? It's a computer. Oh, I could have told you that. Like with the Ice Warrior. Oh, I hope not like that, Jamie, but uh, look at the output. The ticker tape. Error correction at 0.000412 approx. That doesn't sound very approximate. Doesn't sound like anything. What does it even mean? Someone here knows exactly what affected the TARDIS. You mean to say you don't? Uh, well, it, well, it's certainly a considerable force. Uh, I think we passed through some massive spatial phenomenon. Massive as in having great mass. Something big and heavy in space? Yes, uh, very big and very heavy. These machines measure its effects and correct for them. Rather ingenious, really. I still don't understand. You mean we're on a spaceship, and with these computers it can fly around whatever it is. Given all this, I suppose they're studying whatever it is. Who are? Some very brave scientists, Jamie. I I expect it's a small group. Maybe just one or two. I I mean, uh, even with these computers, it's taking quite a chance. Like we are, by being here. It's extremely interesting. I, I wonder what they've found out. Hey, 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 now, I don't think you should be messing about with computers. We don't want you turning this spaceship upside down. Me, I wouldn't dream of interfering. So, what are you going to do? We are going to ask the people whose computer this is what they're skirting round. Why? What's wrong with that? Well, if this thing is strong enough to do all that to the TARDIS, and if these people can control it, they must be very powerful. Oh, dear me, I... I doubt they can control it. Uh, No more than having a a rowing boat means you can control the sea. But even so, what if they're not very nice? Aye, aye, they might not like us poking around the spaceship. But look at their computers. These people must be scientists. And when did scientists mean anyone any harm? There was Mr. Maxtable, and then there was Mr. Clean. Uh, Yes, yes, all right, Victoria, don't count them all off on your fingers. But look at it this way. If there's just one or two people here... We outnumber them, don't we? So, let's try the door. Oh, but, 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 then it... Oh, what's the use? Oh, 
crowds fill the ornamental gardens. The doctor stared in wonder at the sheer number of people, old, young, including children and families, every kind of race, all wore brightly patterned clothes and... They're wearing makeup. I mean, the men, too. It must be the fashion in the future. But there's so many. Doctor, you said there'd just be one or two. Watch where you're going, miss. That man pushed right past me. This is it. Uh, like a bank holiday weekend. Mercy, yes. Oh! That woman walks on my toes. Come on, uh, over by the fountain. Uh, out of the way. Ah, that's better. Must be a big spaceship. I mean, all these people. I should think it's more a habitat than a ship. Oh, aye. One of those. Uh, think of it like a, a city or small country. Like Scotland? Hey! Well, but you said there'd only be one or two people. Well, can't be right all the time, can I? You said there'd be one or two people because they're taking a chance. Because it's dangerous here. What will the effect of the... Effect of... What? What happened? Everything was still. The water in the fountain was like a sculpture of ice. The crowds of people stood motionless mid-stride. Birds hung in the air. It must be this special phenomenon. It's warping space and time. Well, why aren't we frozen like them? I mean, not that I'd want to be. I think I can explain it. You and Victoria and I have a different relationship with time. Because we travel in the TARDIS? Mm, it must build up an immunity or a sensitivity. Uh, something like that, I'm sure. It's like being in a photograph. Yes, even down to capturing blurs of movement. Look! He pointed to a small girl frozen in an instant of being dragged along by a grown-up, presumably her mother. Despite her mother's grip, the girl was twisting awkwardly round to face back the way she'd come. There was an awful, pained expression on her face. Her free hand stretched out towards an orange blur suspended in midair. An indistinct something the girl had dropped, caught in the instant of falling to the ground. The doctor dodged his way between the perfectly unmoving people. He crouched down in front of the orange blur, then gently closed his hands around it. To his surprise, he could move the blur easily. He guided it back into the girl's outstretched hand. What is it? Something I'm sure she'd rather not do without. Wait, look. Suddenly everyone was moving again. The doctor was nearly knocked down by two people shoving past him. Victoria helped him get out of the way, back into their nook by the fountain. Oh, that was close. Oh, but look, oh look. The small girl, dragged along by her mother, stared in astonished delight at the orange teddy bear in her hand. They don't seem to know what's just happened, which means surely they, they can't know about the, the... whatever it is. But someone here must do We saw their computers. I think we should speak to whoever's in charge. And how do we do that? Oh, no. You're not going to cause a scene and get us all arrested. Well, try that if you like. But I thought we'd just ask nicely. The brightly lit hall contained row after row of desks. At each desk was a computer with a slender screen. In front of every screen sat a uniformed member of staff. They were serious professionals, each wearing a headset clipped to their left ear. Well, this looks like where they run things. Uh, very impressive. It reminds me of clerks in the city. I mean, 
No windows. Never seeing any daylight. I, I thought there wasn't any daylight in space. Well, they look healthy enough for all their hard working. And uh, manual control, you see. Uh, they use computers, but they're still in charge. So they must know what's going on, even if the passengers don't. That's the logical conclusion, isn't it? <clears throat> now, who do you suppose we should speak to? You can speak to me. We don't normally allow passengers up here. She was a striking tall woman in a more lavish version of the uniform worn by the clerks. The doctor smoothed his hair with the flat of his hand and stood up a little on tiptoes. Well, uh, good morning. And you are? Ah, I mean, of course, uh, we know uh, being uh, passengers. But as I was just saying to Victoria here, uh, that, that's Victoria, uh, this is Jamie, uh, I'm the doctor. Uh, as I was just saying, uh, there's some disagreement about how to pronounce your name. What? No, you didn't. Oh, I, I was just uh, just saying that about the disagreement. I'm Commander Melanie Flail. How else would you pronounce it? Well, uh, uh, Fairlale, I, I suppose. Uh, uh, or Flail. Well, now you know. Is that all? I am moderately busy running the entire habitat. Oh, no. Uh, well, uh, you, you see, uh, there's the uh, you-know-what on your doorstep. The what on my what? The doctor said it was a spatial phenomenon. Aye, a big and heavy phenomenon. One of those. By my calculations, it's also very close, uh, within an astronomical unit of where we're standing. I think it's a black hole. Nearby clerks looked round in astonishment. Flail shook her head. Ridiculous. A black hole? We've not detected anything. Well, no, not directly, no. Uh, that goes with the territory. What is a black hole? The remnant of an exploded star. They're small but extremely dense. So have a very strong gravitational field. So strong, even light can't escape. Which means you can't ever see one. Well, not directly. But your uh, course corrections. What are you correcting for? A pre-programmed course always needs slight readjustment. Slight? It's 0.000412. Doctor, that doesn't sound very big. It is when you're counting in parsecs. It's almost 8 billion miles. Almost three times the distance from the Earth to the Sun. Well, that's still not much on the galactic scale. But you're trying to stay in one spot. Uh, <clears throat> Commander, look at the numbers. Yes, it's ridiculous, but it's also what's happening. A nearby clerk, the one who had looked round before, now gingerly raised a hand. Commander, I could run an analysis. Flail toyed nervously with the ring she wore on one finger, but tried to hide the exasperation in her voice. You've proper work to get on with. I'll look into this theory. Doctor, I'd rather you didn't distract my staff. If you'd like to come with me... Commander Flail escorted the Doctor and his friends into a small room off the main control deck. The room was as brightly lit and serene as the rest of the ship. There was a single desk with a thin computer screen but no other furnishing. A wide, oblong window looked out onto the darkness of space. Hey, will you look at that? Oh, I don't like it. It's as if there's no glass there. No, if that was the case, we'd soon know it. Uh, the glass must be some kind of polymer. It doesn't reflect light, so it doesn't look like it's there. Isn't that right, Commander? All right. 
What do you people want? Oh, well, that's very kind. A, a cup of tea would be nice. Uh, perhaps you could stretch to a bath, Oliver. Hey, now you're talking. Do they still have tea in space? Of course. These people are perfectly civilised. Uh, aren't you? Then he raised his hands above his head because Commander Flail held a gun. Oh, no! Now, there's no need for unpleasantness. Uh, we'll go without the tea. Enough, Doctor. What's your part in all this? Well, as I said... We notice the effects of what we think is a black hole. Uh, well, you must know about them too, since your computers are working to counteract them. You just don't want anyone else on board to know. Ah, that's why you brought us in here, where no one can listen in. Now, why is that, I wonder? What would happen if they knew? Mass panic. People would run to the lifecraft, evacuate the ship. Very sensible, if you ask me. But then what would happen? I'm guessing these uh, lifecraft have only basic rocket propulsion. It wouldn't stand a chance. Because of this black hole, like lifeboats caught in a storm. So you've set your people to compensate for the effects without telling them what it is. Until I blurted out the truth. I, I, I'm sorry about that. Then you really want to help? Well, of course. Oh, please put that gun down. It might go off accidentally. What do you think would happen if you hit the window? The polymer would absorb the blast. Oh, yeah, but, but really, we want to help. If you'll allow us. And how can you help? Well, uh, there must be something. Uh, why don't you tell us what you know? Uh, you weren't expecting to find a black hole, so a star must have exploded recently. That's the thing. No star, no supernova, and yet... But black holes don't just appear out of nowhere. Not usually. Not in nature. The Doctor stared at Flail in horror. I don't understand. You mean this black hole was created artificially? Someone did it on purpose. They're controlling it. But the doctor said no one can control black holes. Doctor, what is it? Do you know who it is? It's not us, if that's what you're thinking. We wouldn't know how. Of course not, but you know enough to intuit what's happening. All right, I need your help. We all do. Well, that's good, isn't it? Doctor? I think I'll need some specialist equipment. And I just happen to have some in my uh, quarters. Uh, we'll quickly go and fetch it. Commander? Oh, really? Put the gun down. We're the only ones who can help you. We'll fetch your equipment together, because you're not leaving my sight. The Doctor led Victoria, Jamie and Flail through the crowds of people in the ornamental gardens. Yeah, I think it was this way. Sorry. Excuse me, please. Suddenly the crowd parted for him, opening up a path. Oh, yes, well, uh, thank you. He turned back to Jamie and Victoria to smile and saw Flail still brandishing her gun at him. I thought he didn't want to draw attention. I don't. Ladies and gentlemen, it's nothing to worry about. We're engaged in a routine training exercise. Well, carry on, Doctor. You wouldn't really shoot me in front of everyone. It could be part of the exercise, but why would I need to? You said you want to help us. These people are depending on you. Nervously, the Doctor led the way through the crowd. Jamie and Victoria kept close beside him. Is it not this way? Uh, oh, no, I have an unerring sense of direction. It's over here. It's definitely... Oof! Victoria had poked him in the ribs with her elbow. He was about to protest, but she nodded her head in the direction of Flail. Ah, right. But what's he going to do? I don't know, but it must be something. What are you two whispering about? What? 
But us? It's just, Jamie isn't used to seeing men wearing makeup. Uh, well, no, no. I, I mean, I don't mind if that's what they want. But... Look, it's happening again. Once more, everything had frozen like a photograph. That's it. Quick, while we can. He was already dodging between the frozen people racing in the direction Jamie had just indicated. His young friends tried to catch him up. See? He does know where he's going. Ah, he was waiting for the freeze so we could shake off Flail. But I thought he wanted to help. As he ran, Jamie glanced back at Flail, the look frozen on her face. She was caught in mid-stride, the gun pointing at the place where Jamie and Victoria had just been. The shock she'd had when she could move again. And then she moved. Jamie thought he'd imagined it, but no, she was definitely moving in slow motion, as if wading through water. She was giving chase, and the gun in her hand it was coming round to... Get down! He grabbed Victoria just in time, and the blast hit a group of frozen people. Like statues, they toppled backwards into more of the people. It's like dominoes. The poor things. There's nothing we can do. Come on! They ran, dodging over and around the fallen people and those who remained on their feet. Jamie glanced back, flailed, still pursuing them, and was still in slow motion. Oh! Oh, that was close. But we're nearly there. Come on, quickly, before they start moving again. Too late! We'll just have to push past them. The TARDIS stood, as before, in the gap between the computer banks. The Doctor dug through the pockets of his tailcoat to unearth the key. One, two, into the TARDIS! She, she shot her own people! They looked like they were moving, they were only stunned. But Doctor, how was Flail able to come after us? Oh, we haven't got time for all that, Jamie. Now, now, come on! She knows about the black hole. That must make her sensitive to the effects. Yeah, yes, maybe, uh, knowledge can be quite a nuisance. Now, 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 come on, inside. The TARDIS was as they'd left it a mess. There were papers and books scattered over the floor. A chair was on its side. Jamie went over and righted it. So, what's this equipment we need? But the Doctor was at the controls, working the lever to close the TARDIS doors. You mean, we're just going to leave? Yes, what you both wanted, wasn't it? Uh, you said not to interfere. Ah, well, but... Uh, we are then. So, uh, Excuse me, Victoria. I need to get to those switches. Victoria? You're running away. It, it really is for the best. Uh, you have to trust me. All right. Just tell me these people don't need our help. Of course they don't. They're not even aware when they're frozen. Except now they'll know something is happening. And that's not what I meant. Doctor, you said they were in danger. I said there was a chance. Look, those computers are doing a good job of it. Flail knows what she's doing. So they're not in danger? Doctor? I don't have any choice. There's nothing I can do. You can invite them on board. There's plenty of room in the TARDIS. Aye, just till we find them somewhere to put down. Why not? He's frightened. Of yon black hole thing. We passed through it well enough before. No, of anyone who could control it. I saw the look on your face. That's what's changed your mind. You're scared. But you said no one can control it. Doctor? I said the people on the ship couldn't control it. But there are those who have the power. Oh, not the Daleks. Oh, no, no, Jamie. Not, not even they have quite the knowledge for that. But uh, there are people. Uh, my people. 
Young people? Well, that's all right then, isn't it? You can't be sure it's them. Here. No, I, I know. I can feel it's like that sensation in the air before a thunderstorm. And if we stay, uh, if they find out I'm here, well, it'll be the, uh, the end of our travels together. You mean they'll send us home? I don't have a home to go back to. I, I don't know what it will mean. But we won't be able to continue. Victoria stepped away from the tabletop of controls, leaving the space clear for the doctor to get to the switches and levers. Then go. Forget we ever came here. Just once we couldn't help. Ah, folk can fend for themselves for a change. They'll be all right. The doctor nodded slowly. His hands moved to the controls and then stopped just over them. He gazed down at his fingers. It's a, a nice thought, isn't it? A, just this once. But you can't help yourself, can you? Oh, silly man. The doctor smiled at her kindly. Then he reached out for the switch that operated the door. Now, doctor, wait! But it was already heading outside. The doctor and his friends emerged from the TARDIS. Commander Flail was waiting, the gun in her hand. Oh, no! All right. We surrender. You were trying to get away. Of course not. I don't blame you. If you can get away, go. Unless your capsule is trapped here by the black hole. Oh, we could break free if we wanted. But we didn't want to. As I said, we came to help. I, I just needed, um... He fished in his pockets and produced, to his own surprise, a tennis ball. Very useful for testing gravitational uh, uh, things. He smiled his most disarming smile, and Flail lowered her gun. Ah, well, that's better. So what now? We do as you said. We get everybody into my uh, capsule. What? I can't let you do that. Oh, it's more spacious than it looks. Well, they'd still have to queue up to get through that door. How long is that going to take? There are 20,000 passengers. Oh, well, what do you suggest? not like I can confront whoever is doing this. Uh, for one thing, they could be anywhere. I know where he is. You've seen him? There's one place he can be. Lower decks, in the laboratories. Then why haven't you arrested him? I can't send anyone down there. The effects of the black hole are much stronger as you get close. But you three... We seem to be immune to the time dilation, don't we? So... She raised the gun again towards the doctor, but so that he could take it. He backed slowly away. I'm sure that won't be necessary. You said you wanted to help. Oh, I'll go down to the laboratories. I'll see if he is there. I'll stop whatever it is. But I'll do it in my own way. I don't think that's very wise. Maybe. But it's not as if you can come with us, is it? The distortion affects you too. All right. I just hope you know what you're doing. The Doctor, Jamie and Victoria cautiously made their way down to the lower deck. They emerged onto a corridor with doors at regular intervals. The nearest doors were rectangular in shape. The further down the corridor, the straighter lines bowed. The furthest doors looked circular. It makes my head hurt to look at... No, no, not so loud, Jamie. Come on. They ventured on. The corridor seemed to bend and warp around them with each step. Along the corridor were patterns of dappled light. As the doctor and his friends got closer, these patterns became more distinct. 
the outlines of frozen people. The poor souls. We must be near the source. So your friend must be here. Uh, I doubt he's my friend. You never told us why you left your people. Didn't I? But you ran away from them. Did you do something wrong? Hey, now, the, the doctor's no criminal, are you? Well, it uh, rather depends on your perspective. Whatever did you do? It was nothing, really. You're too modest, Doctor. You're quite the celebrity. The man wore a simple dark robe, and on his head was what looked like a nightcap. His thin moustache reached down either side of his wily grin. His eyes twinkled with intelligence. And uh, you are? You mean you don't know? I, I don't think we've met before, have we? I thought you'd at least recognize my robes. My name is Parvo. Constable of Chapter 9. He's a sort of policeman. I assume you'll want to arrest me. But what have you done? Oh dear, well, uh, well look, uh, if I come quietly, at least let these two go. Now, hey! But, Doctor, just by being here, you're all in breach of Chapter 9 regulations. What? But how? Pavo brandished a short silver baton with a bulb on the end. And the penalty is death. If I come quietly, at least let these two go. Now, hey! But, Doctor, just by being here, you're all in breach of Chapter 9 regulations. What? But how? Pavo brandished a short silver baton with a bulb on the end. And the penalty is death. The Doctor stepped forward, putting himself between Pavo and Jamie and Victoria. These two are only here because of me. They don't even know the regulations. I take full responsibility. Now, Doctor... Right, Jamie. Send them home. Let them tell people what they've seen. They may be ignorant primitives, but they can still talk. Who'd believe us? Jamie! Well, it's true! We're not being sent home. We're not leaving the Doctor. Uh, Victoria, please. He's not going to be bargained with. Chapter 9 are great sticklers for the rule book. But he needs your help. That's right, isn't it, Constable Parvo? Because you're not behind whatever's happening with this black hole... A policeman wouldn't put all these people in danger, even if you do think we're primitive. I don't discuss operational matters with lower species. Ah, <laughs> run into a spot of bother, have we? Uh, fiddly things, black holes. I'm meant to be on a mission. The black hole drew me off course. As it did us. If we're guilty of breaking the rules, so are you. But if he didn't make the black hole, who did? 
Come on, man. You need our help. The lack of a supernova... That's an exploding star, Jamie. Aye, I know. The lack of an exploding star suggests the black hole didn't originate in this part of space-time. My working hypothesis is... That someone is creating a tunnel through time and space. The black hole is at one end of the tunnel and we're at the other. But who could do such a thing like that? We can worry about that later. The important thing is to stop them before they tunnel through and destroy this habitat, isn't it? You think you can strike a deal for clemency? I think 20,000 people upstairs depend on us solving this. So, why don't you show me what you've tried to do so far? Laboratory 25320 was a room of bulky computer banks, their lights twittering with activity. If you'd care to examine the data, and if your primitives could manage not to touch anything. Jamie, who'd been reading the ticker tape from one of the machines, grinned sheepishly. The doctor examined the screen that Pavo indicated. Jamie and Victoria kept back, out of the way. Oh, oh dear me, it's a whopper. Looking for a black hole. The normal laws of physics have been turned on their heads. We should all have been torn to pieces. Aye, but we haven't been. The readings suggest we're in a mixed quantum state. Please, could you try to use words Jamie will understand? Hey, which is right. Parvo thinks that we, uh, this whole habitat, exist and don't exist at the same time. But things can only be one thing or another. Uh, that's our rather 19th century way of thinking. Uh, take it from me, the black hole is so powerful we don't have that kind of certainty. It's spreading. I mean, the line on the screen keeps going up. This whole spiral arm of the galaxy is now in a mixed state. With just the slightest nudge, it will vanish in an instant. That's what's happening to the ghostly people outside. They've stopped existing. Uh, the probability of their existence is lower. Oh, we can still bring them back if we stabilise the black hole. How do we do that? What about Commander Flail? She knows what she's about. You've another accomplice. Oh, he, he means the nice lady in charge of the habitat. Uh, computers are working flat out to compensate for the gravitational effects. A primitive? She could never hope to comprehend. Well, not ordinarily, no, but she's not working alone, is she? What have you done? Rewarped space-time back the other way, just around the habitat? Hmm. I bet your TARDIS doesn't like that. A temporary patch while I work on a permanent solution. Ideally, I'd use my TARDIS for that too. And it's lucky for you we came along. What do you need me to do? It's a difficult operation, even dangerous. Well, we can help if we can, Parvo. Well, the calculation's here. That's the mouth of the black hole. You materialize exactly in the center, anywhere above the event horizon. Then you lower your shields. You what? Uh, no, no. I see. You express the interior mass of the TARDIS, a near-infinite mass. It acts as a counterweight, and the mouth of the black hole closes around it. Yeah, tricky to get away at the very last minute, but uh, ingenious. But, Doctor, you can hardly control the TARDIS. That's not fair. All right, she can be a bit temperamental. Doctor... Success and saving these people depends on a precision flight through extremely warping space-time. Can you do it? You don't have any other choice. I admire your courage. There is another option.
The clerks at the rows of computers tried to get on with their work, but they couldn't help glancing round at Jamie while Commander Flail considered what he'd told her. And they think they can achieve it? Aye, or they wouldn't have bothered to try. It sounds dangerous. All right. What do you need me to do? Uh, Victoria said she would telegraph. I don't know what that means. Well, me neither. But be ready when she does. On a nearby desk, one of the clerks responded to a flashing light on his screen. Commander, communication for you. On the screen. Flail speaking. Commander, is Jamie with you? Hi, uh, we can see you. Well, I can see your chin. I don't understand what I've done. The doctor wrote me instructions, but I can't make sense of his handwriting. I, I think I pressed this one. On the screen, beside the square showing Victoria, another square flickered on. This showed the doctor fussing at the controls of his TARDIS. A thick cable led from the console down across the floor and out through the open doors to the room of computer banks beyond. Doctor! Uh, don't give me such a fright, Jamie. Uh, hello, Commander Flail. Uh, has Jamie explained what you have to do? Not really. Uh, well, it's very simple. We need a nice, even course. Uh, Victoria, uh, how's Parvo getting on? What? Who? Uh, that's the man we met downstairs. He, he's going to help us, too. She stepped out of the way of the screen, letting them see the rest of the laboratory and all the twittering computers. Parvo was hard at work programming instructions. Hey, doesn't Parvo need to be in his TARDIS? Parvo finished his work and joined Victoria, giving those watching on screen a good view of him. I'm where I should be. Commander Flail, hello. I'm... Constable Parvo, another stowaway on my ship. And isn't that lucky for you? I'm about to transfer my warp stabilisation to the Doctor. But... I know you're stabilising the warp. So am I. I'm transferring my bit to the Doctor. There's a risk. Uh, well, see what you can do to minimise the damage. Do I have any choice? You could choose not to, but then everyone dies. Doctor? I'm ready. Then here we go. In the ornamental gardens, people fell to the floor or into one another. A tree toppled forward into one of the fountains. In the TARDIS, the Doctor fought with the controls. Smoke billowed from the connection between the end of the cable and the console. On the scanner screen behind him, Victoria looked down imploringly. It isn't working. Yes, it is. I, I just need to secure the connection. Oh, come on, it's the other thing. No, no, no don't, don't try to take off. Oh, I think that might have been it. In the laboratory, Victoria stood by the screen showing two squares. The Doctor and his TARDIS and Jamie and Flair on the command deck. But she wasn't watching them. Her eyes were fixed on Parvo. He darted back and forth between the twittering computers, making adjustments to his program. Then he raced over to join Victoria, ignoring her to check the numbers on his screen. We're going to have to risk it. He slipped a hand into his robe and withdrew a small device. 
He pointed it at one of the many twittering computer banks behind him and the computer bank faded away. On the screen, the doctor stared in wonder. A Statenheim remote control. Oh, I've always wanted one of those. Out in space, beyond the habitat, there was nothing. Infinite darkness. No light. No detail. No sign of a black hole. Then a shape appeared. The warped, distorted shape of the computer bank from the laboratory. Parvo's TARDIS. It was being twisted almost inside out. In the laboratory, Parvo hunched over the computer. Sweat glistened on his face. He struggled to type commands into the keyboard. Doctor, can you hear me? Parvo isn't very well. There's a direct link between him and his TARDIS. If it's in pain, so is he. Parvo, are you sure you can do this? We have to. Lowering the force field. Out in space, Parvo's TARDIS twisted and contorted. But then, pinpricks of light swirled around the TARDIS. The light grew stronger, tracing lines in the dark. Lines that were moving like a whirlpool in the dark, with the TARDIS right in its centre. On the control deck, Jamie stared transfixed by the image on the screen. I can see it. I can see the black hole. Your friend's plan is working. That thing they sent out there has enough mass to counter the gravitational force, so light can escape. Oh, ah! What's, what's, what's happening? The black hole is collapsing, but that's warping space-time. What? We're doing everything we can. Doctor, can you increase the stabilisation? Doctor? I'm trying. Poor old girl doesn't like it. I'll try. He's gone. Wait, of course. It's the stabilization protocols. They're keeping us fixed when we need to ride it out. Like being anchored during a storm. Shut down the protocols. Shut down the protocols. On the main deck, there was chaos. People fell and were trampled in the stampede. In the nook by the fountain, a mother cradled a child clutching an orange teddy bear. And then, they simply weren't there anymore. Across the main deck, people in the crowd winked out of existence. Their friends hardly had time to react before they winked out of existence too. In the Doctor's TARDIS, black smoke billowed from the console. The Doctor dashed about trying to work controls. He jammed his handkerchief over his mouth and nose. For all his frantic effort with the switches and levers, he couldn't make any difference. In the laboratory, the banks of computers also billowed black smoke. Parvo, looking ever more ill, tried to type another command. Victoria was at his side. Tell me what to press. 
Pavel nodded and struggled to speak. Then his whole body spasmed and he fell to the ground. Constable Pavel! Constable Pavel! She hurried to his side and reached out to take his shoulders, anything to stop his violent shaking. But then... Oh! Oh no! Her arms... Outstretched towards Pavo, her arms weren't flesh and blood. They were silhouettes of grey. Oh, somebody, anybody, Jamie! She was quite transparent. Pavo, racked by agony on the floor, used every last ounce of energy to reach his hand into his robe. He produced the small device he had used before. For a moment, he hesitated. Then he stabbed his thumb against the control. Out in space, the whirlpool of light swirled fast around Parvo's TARDIS. The warping, twisting TARDIS shone ever brighter. Then it stopped twisting. There, in the center of the whirling light, was the squat, solid shape of the computer bank. And the swirling light engulfed it. Jamie helped Flail to her feet. Around them, clerks tended to those who had been wounded and checked over the computer systems. All systems. Show her in the clear. Flail made for the nearest computer. Attention all personnel. A localised warping of space-time affected the habitat, but we are back on course. Medical and technical teams are being dispatched, but there is no further danger. Out. You think it's over then? I think we don't want to panic. Uh, oh dear. They turned to the screen, where in the small square they could just see the doctor. His face was dark with soot from the smoke. Doctor, you did it! Of course I did. I, I mean, we, we, we did uh, How is everyone? Reports of injuries from the main deck. No fatalities as yet. Well, that's as good as we could hope. Uh, uh, Victoria and Pavo? Victoria? Victoria? There was no sign of Victoria or Pavo in their square on the screen. Something must have gone wrong. In the laboratory... Victoria? Victoria? Is she there? There's no one. Wait, here. Pavo lay on his back on the floor, motionless. Steam curled from his chest. Jamie hurried over to him, but the doctor looked on in horror. Uh, Don't touch him, Jamie. Something isn't right. It's like he's been shot. But where's Victoria? The doctor edged round Pavo's smoking body, examining him without getting too close. Constable Pavo, can you hear me? Doctor, where's Victoria? You have to tell us what happened. Wait, doctor, she's here. She was curled up on the floor behind one of the computer banks. Hey, Victoria, it's me. Slowly, she lifted her head. Her eyes stared in numb shock. Jamie put his arms round her. It's okay. You're safe now. But before, I wasn't even here. The doctor watched them with concern. Then he turned back to Parvo. You sacrificed your TARDIS to save her and everyone else? The only way. But the symbiotic link, you could have died. I wish I had. 
One week later. Really, now you ask me, said Alice, very much confused. I don't think... On the floor in the corner of the vast library, a group of children sat entranced as a woman read from an ancient paper book. She got up in great disgust and walked off. The dormouse fell asleep instantly, and neither of the others took the least notice of her going. Though she looked back once or twice, half hoping that they would call after her. Hey, you did it! We're here! Oh, oh, I... Uh, sorry. Shh. Doctor, you're not to make any noise. The Doctor and Victoria followed Jamie out of the TARDIS. The Doctor beamed at his surroundings. Victoria looked haunted. <coughs> As you requested, Victoria, the library. Much quicker by TARDIS than by foot. I said I was in total control, didn't I? Oh, and here's Pavo. Pavo moved slowly and stiffly. The same weary look on his face as Victoria... But when he reached the doctor, he smiled. You said you'd give me a head start. Everything satisfactory? Oh, I think so. But a short hop from one side of the habitat to the other is easy. A longer trip through time as well. Come on, Victoria. They're going to talk in science. Victoria didn't smile. She didn't seem to hear him. Pained, Jamie quietly took her hand and led her away to a table where they could sit. The doctor watched them go, sadly. She'd be better by now. The old Victoria would have insisted on walking. It's only ten miles to the far end of the habitat, but now she can hardly walk across a room. I'm sure she'll recover. But if you're that concerned about her, don't go. I said I'd help you. You can't complete your mission otherwise. Not after what you, uh, what you lost. And as I said, if you're supposed to be meeting with Dastare, well, he and I are old friends. I was going to arrest him. Or eliminate him. Whereas I will apply reason to argument and we'll get a much better result all round. You don't have the authority. Oh, I can make something up. I'll pretend they sent me. How will he know the difference? No, no, no. much more sensible than I fill in. So, <clears throat> if you'll give me the coordinates. You don't need them. What happened when you linked the Stadenheim remote to your TARDIS? Changed the pattern on the walls and some of the switches and levers. Synchronizing systems with back home. It created a dual control. What? You don't mean they now have control of my TARDIS? They won't know it's you. Activate the remote and they'll direct the TARDIS attached to it to the coordinates in the third zone. But they won't check which TARDIS is attached. Trust to the bureaucracy. If you say so. You don't have to do this. Or... I could come with you, but you don't want me inside your TARDIS. You're a constable in Chapter 9. With your symbiotic print, you only need to step inside and... The TARDIS would only revert to my control if I willed it. If it was me, if I'd lost my... Uh, I couldn't resist the temptation. Can't deny that I want to take her from you. But I'm hardly strong enough to try. Besides... Stealing a TARDIS. Oh, but I was forgetting. Uh, yes, well, if we're going to do this, we should be off. Uh, Jamie! Good luck, though I'm sure you won't need it. Thank you. But if uh, something does go wrong... I'll look after Victoria. Well, come along, Jamie! At the table, Jamie sat holding Victoria's hands, but she only stared away into space. He leaned forward, said something, and... With still no response, got up from his seat and left her.
The Doctor and Jamie strode into the TARDIS, with its slightly different-looking walls and central console. Jamie took a moment to identify the right lever for the door. All right, then. Doctor, we will get back to her, won't we? Of course we will. And she'll be better for some time on her own. A library is a nice, safe place for her. And she can read up on, uh, well, <coughs> whatever she wants to read up about. Uh, what is uh, graphology? Anyway, it's the study of handwriting, Jamie. Uh, uh, what it says about whoever wrote it doesn't sound very interesting. Boring and calm will be good for her. We can hardly imagine what it must have been like to not even exist and, and to know it. You could stay with her if you want. She said, well, that you'd need me with you. Because something always goes wrong. Ah, that's the Victoria we know, isn't it? Well then. From his pocket, he drew the small device that Pavo had given him, the Stattenheim remote control. He pointed it towards the console and pressed the button. Pavo and Victoria watched the TARDIS fade into the air. Victoria's eyes were wet with tears. Oh, my dear. The Stattenheim remote will keep them synchronised with us here. If it takes them an hour or two to negotiate with Dastari, they'll be back to dine with us tonight. Well, let's keep ourselves occupied in the meantime. Victoria didn't respond, but allowed herself to be led to one of the library computers. Pavo entered his name and password, and up came the library files he'd been researching. So, people who detected the black hole. The earliest I've found is from 500 years ago. How about you? The prospect of work in front of her brought Victoria to her senses. Actually, something's not right. Before she could explain, the square appeared on the computer screen. Written on the square was Incoming Communication. Pavo tapped a button. Constable Parvo, is the doctor with you? I'm afraid, Commander, he's just gone off on an errand. Is there anything I can help with? On the control deck, Commander Flail stood over her computer. The small square on the screen showed Parvo and Victoria. He left a message saying he wanted to see me. I'm too busy to chase round after that man. I'll tell him if I see him, when I see him. Thank you. And you two are all right? We're surviving. If that's all, we've got quite a lot of reading. All right. Out. Pavo and Victoria were gone from the screen. Flail stood up straight. You heard. They've gone. You're safe. She addressed someone by the wall of the command deck. Someone lurking in the shadows. More than one someone. So you can come out of hiding. And we can finish this. In their quiet part of the library, away from anyone else, Pavo and Victoria looked over the files on the screen. You said something wasn't right. I just have this feeling. Maybe I can help. My father, he was a scientist. He said we start from the evidence. So in this case, for hundreds of years, people have noted spatial disturbances in this area. What does that evidence suggest? That the black hole wasn't created suddenly. It was a natural phenomenon. Yeah, it's still very unusual. 
A black hole without a supernova. But there's something about these records. Look, read this one. Dash it all. These star charts we bought at the last stop are epochs out of date. Well, that's a science officer on a privateer ship. A pirate who thinks he's been cheated. And then this? Mayhap it speaks to something deeper. The limit of our technology. And of our imagination. <laughs> well, quite the philosopher, isn't she? They're all like that. The accounts of the warping of space-time as it grows over the years, they all have such distinct voices. Like communing with ghosts from the past. It's unsettled you. It's not that. My father, he was so diligent with his experiments, he wrote them up in a very particular way. Simply, concisely, with no embellishment. Because science aspires to be objective. But this? They're all characters. Fictions. Well, why didn't you tell the doctor? I tried. I said it was like in a story, where the style of a person's handwriting can portray their innermost thoughts. He said graphology isn't a science, more 19th century thinking. But if you're right... Someone wants us to think the black hole is a natural phenomenon. That's right, isn't it? But who? Oh. Pavo pointed a short silver baton at her, the same weapon with which he had threatened the doctor when they first met. Oh, very clever, Miss Waterfield. It's a shame, really. I rather enjoyed those artistic flourishes. You. You faked the records, which means you opened the black hole. Why, yes. <laughs> now the doctor's out of the way, I can open it again. And if our people investigate again, they'll see that he was here and assume it was him. Again? What do you mean? Pavo only smiled. With his free hand, he tapped some instructions into the keyboard. There. <laughs> Won't take long now. The Doctor and Jamie are coming back. They'll stop you. Yes, about that. <laughs> that negotiation I sent them to, you know. I have a funny feeling the Sontarans are just about to attack. Whoops! <laughs> Must have slipped my mind. Don't think there'll be many survivors. Still, revenge is sweet, as they say. Revenge? For what? For your TARDIS being destroyed? Oh no, my TARDIS is fine. I owe the Doctor for our previous meetings. Meetings? On your home planet? Because he's a criminal and you're a policeman. Well, let's be honest, I've been a lot of things over the centuries. A policeman, an emperor, TV host. Oh, when I met the Doctor, I was a monk.
The darkness was broken by an occasional flickering of lights, as one of the computer banks in the server room made some minor calculation. Otherwise, all was calm, peaceful, until into the gap between two of the computer banks. Aye, see, Jamie, didn't I say I'd get us back to this very spot? Aye, but several stops back, after the Suntarans... Jamie, it was interesting to explore the city of owls. And the people of Mackenzie were very grateful for our help. But we've been gone weeks. Ah, well, as far as we're concerned, yes. But I overrode the dual control mechanism, didn't I? You mean you smashed it? Well, I had to get to the workings. And I only shut off the temporal synchronization. If you say so, as far as Victoria need know, we've been gone a day or two. Do you think she'll be better? Ah. <sighs> I hope so. We'll just have to see. Come on. Uh, should these wee lights be coming on? What's that? They watched the computer banks. After a moment, a single light flickered briefly. Then there was darkness again. Does that no mean the black hole is returning? Uh, no, no, not one single light. Uh, it probably means a, a minor course correction. We'd only need to worry if the whole room lit up like it did before. Uh, come on, then. Victoria! Oh! Oh, I, I'd forgotten how crowded it was. Once they'd left, the room was silent. Then a light on a computer flickered on, and another, and more. All the lights on all the computers now flashed urgent warnings. There was no one to see them. The Doctor and Jamie struggled to make their way through the crowds in the ornamental gardens. Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry, madam. <gasps> it's happened again. They're frozen like statues. But you said there wasn't a black hole anymore. Quiet, Jamie. You never admit when you're wrong. No, I, I mean be quiet and hide. Look, over there. They crouched behind a large man, frozen in the instant of stuffing food into his mouth. Jamie dared to peek around the man's gut to look out across the statues to where a figure was moving. A figure wearing robes. Robes Jamie had seen before. It's Parvo! Yeah. Parvo had more hair. Jamie looked again. Yes, light caught the man's bald head. Who is he? Another policeman! The doctor looked horrified. The man had clearly heard Jamie and was looking towards them. In his hand, there was a short silver baton with a jewel on one end, some kind of weapon. Jamie and the doctor ducked back behind the gut of the frozen man. He's coming over. What do we do? Freeze, like everyone else. Jamie closed his eyes tight and kept perfectly still. The doctor flustered. He tried a natural pose, his hands on his hips. Then, deciding against that, he shielded his eyes with one hand as if looking out across a distance. Not satisfied with that either, he pointed with one finger and grinned as if he'd just seen something amusing. It still wasn't right. The bald man stepped into view. The doctor froze, still pointing ahead of him, but now with an awkward look on his face. The man coolly examined the frozen people around him. The large man, 
a woman, Jamie, his eyes tightly shut. Then he turned to the doctor. He studied the doctor, while the doctor stayed perfectly still in his awkward pose. Then the bald man stepped forward into one side so that he stood next to the doctor. He tried to follow the line of the doctor's finger to see whatever odd thing he was pointing at, but he couldn't see anything. He shrugged and went on his way. All right, Jamie, he's gone. But who is he? What's he doing here? Uh, let's find out. The laboratory was empty. The huge window looked out onto the blackness of space. The banks of computers worked away at their calculations. One computer bank stood out on its own in the middle of the room. The bald man in the robes, his silver baton ready in his hand, strode up to the lone computer bank. Behind him, unseen, the doctor and Jamie crept into the laboratory and hid behind some apparatus by the door. Carefully, they poked their heads round the side of the machine to see what the man was doing. With the baton raised, he addressed the computer bank. Your capsule has been halted by Statenheim Remote Control in accordance with a control order issued under the Prevention of Temporal Interference Measures. He waited patiently. There was no answer. If you do not surrender to my custody, the PTIM's control order authorises me to nullify your capsule, even if you're inside it. Your choice. The side of the computer bank opened, and from it emerged a stooped figure in a humble robe. He held his hands up in surrender. All right, Constable. Don't be so gruff. I'll come quietly. The doctor gaped in astonishment. The meddling monk. What? No, it's Parvo. Just in different clothes. It's definitely the monk. Why didn't I recognize him before? Thought I was rid of you. I even scanned the habitat. Very cunning. Wherever were you hiding? I'm licensed to take charge of your capsule. Oh, well, that's convenient. I destroy your TARDIS so you help yourself to mine. Does it hurt? You'll soon find out, unless you want to make things difficult. Me? I'm offended. I never make things difficult. I'm sure. Oh, how could I possibly stop you? Oh, by all means, hop on in. The monk stepped neatly out of the way so that the ball man could enter the computer bank. The man kept his baton trained on the monk as he moved forward. Then, on the threshold, he stopped. But this isn't... The monk grabbed for the baton and two men fought. The bald man had skill, but the monk was desperate. That's and others. You can't escape the law. I merely need to escape you if you let go. Weapons are dangerous. Jamie was eager to help, but the doctor held him back. Oh, that was unfortunate. You're not going to hold it against me, are you? Maybe you are. Shame. Oh, you didn't answer my question. How did you hide from me, hmm? Oh. The bald man lay still, his robes smoking from the blast. With the baton held firmly, the monk searched him but found nothing. And then he noticed the ring on the man's finger and removed it. Very clever. Clouds the senses, somehow. You look the same, yet I don't see what you are. Don't mind if I borrow it, do you? There. Now, 
To return the favour, you were very keen to poke your nose in here. Might as well let you take a long look. With effort, the monk shoved and cajoled the body of the man in through the door of the computer bank. Sorry, not much room, is there? But it'll do. The monk slammed the door and stepped back from the computer bank. Then, reluctantly, he held up the baton. Apologies, Constable Parvo, but it would be awkward if anyone found you. The computer bank burst into flames. The monk watched, satisfied. But as the flames grew higher, he began to look alarmed. Well, yes. <laughs> um... The monk slammed his hands over his ears. Where they hid behind the machinery, the doctor and Jamie also had their hands pressed against their heads. Beside them, the door to the laboratory began to slide shut. By the flaming computer bank, the monk saw the slowly closing door and considered making a run for it. Then he thought again and hurried to the row of computer banks, just like the one now on fire. He prodded a button on one of the machines and it started to open. The monk hurried inside. The doctor grabbed the edge of the door to the laboratory, heaving with all his might to stop it closing anymore. It's sealing in the fire, but if it shuts, we'll be trapped in here. Jamie tried to help hold the door from sliding shut, but despite their best efforts, it still edged slowly forward. Jamie reached a hand down to his ankle and from inside his thick woolen sock produced a short-bladed knife. He wedged this under the door. The door continued to push forward, but the more it pushed, the more the knife wedged against it. Uh, how's that? Yes, very good. Only hope we're not too late. <laughs> they scrambled to their feet and the doctor hurried over to the fiercely burning computer bank. Jamie dared to go to the other computer bank, the one the monk had vanished into. The side was still open. Doctor, it sounds like the TARDIS. I've got a closet does. Now quick, help me. We have to get it open. Jamie reached out a hand to the back of the computer bank, where there were no flames, and quickly recoiled from the heat. Oof. The doctor was tugging off his frock coat. He wrapped the coat round his hands and then gingerly approached the computer bank and started to bash at it. The side fell open, releasing a thick cloud of smoke. Quickly, the doctor ducked inside the computer bank and hauled out the body of the bald man in the robe. Must... Perhaps you're still alive. Hey, Jamie. Now help me get him on his feet. Between them, they got the man upright. Then the doctor turned back to the computer bank and kicked the side still hanging open. <laughs> the doctor and Jamie half-dragged the man over to the door that still struggled to close on Jamie's knife. As they passed, Jamie grabbed the knife and pulled it free. Then they were out of the laboratory and the door closed shut behind them. In the corridor outside the laboratory, the doctor and Jamie struggled to support the bald man. Who is he? Parvo. Called him Parvo. Not now, Jamie. We need to get him back to the TARDIS. TARDIS destroyed. Yeah, I know, and I'm sorry. I'm afraid my TARDIS is just off the main deck. But all the people up there, they won't just let us carry him through. Not with him in this state. That's why you need to walk, Constable Parvo. That is your name, isn't it? Can you hear me? The man managed to nod and tried to hand something to the doctor. Oh, what's this? Another ring. Oh, can I adjust the settings? Ah, oh, 
Oh, I see. He twisted something on the metal ring, then worked it onto Pavo's finger. Hey, where's he gone? You're still holding on to him, but your mind is trying not to see him. The more you try to, the more you won't. So what do we do? We get him to the TARDIS. The Doctor and Jamie struggled through the crowd, carrying Pavo between them. People stopped to stare at the strange sight. What are you two doing? There you are. No one can see him. So what must we look like? Uh, we can't help that, can we? Because <laughs> we're Pavo. Pavo? Is he all right? I, I don't know. I can't see him either. Hey, look out! People hurried towards him. Men and women in uniform. The Doctor and Jamie looked quickly around, but there was no way they could escape in the crowd. At least, not without abandoning Pavo. So they stood their ground. And the uniformed people swept past them and kept going. They were heading towards the laboratory. The Doctor and Jamie grinned at one another, then struggled on with Pavo. In the laboratory, the fire had overtaken the blackened shell of the computer bank. The monk doused the flames with an old-fashioned fire extinguisher. As the flames guttered and died, the door slid open and in rushed the men and women in uniform. Just too late to help. If you could do something about the noise! One man tapped a command into the bracelet on his wrist. Thank you. I'm sorry about all this bother. Slight error in the programme. But it won't happen again. Is there anything you need from us, Constable Parvo? Constable who now? The monk stared in surprise. Then he looked down at the ring on his finger, the one he'd taken from the real Constable Parvo. And he started to smile. Oh, I'd just like to be left to my experiments, if that's no trouble. Of course, Constable. All resources are at your disposal. And this poor machine. Crush it, dump it into space, whatever you think best. Yes, Constable. You two, with me. Don't try and open it up. Not unless you want a nasty surprise. The emergency team wheeled the blackened remains of the computer bank away, leaving the monk on his own, admiring the ring on his finger. Constable Parvo. Somehow with free reign to do whatever he likes. His smile faded. He sniffed the air, and then his old monastic robe. Oh, dear. Soot and oil and who knows what else. I'm sure I have something somewhere more befitting a constable. With a smile, he made his way toward the row of pristine computer banks and operated the control to open his TARDIS. The Doctor and Jamie half-dragged, half-carried Parvo into the server room, where the TARDIS was waiting. Jamie, close the door behind us, right? What are you doing? Trying to get the ring off. Ah, here we go. And there he is again. Oh, doesn't look very well, Constable Parvo. Constable! Need. Need. Yes, I, I know what you need, but... Before I let you inside, I need an undertaking. What? He's in no state for that. I need him to promise not to take over the TARDIS. Oh, like he could. He's not faking this. No, but he's not even breathing, Doctor. Look, if there's something in the TARDIS that can help him, Jamie, I, I, I can't risk it. You mean you let him die? 
Now, of course not. Oh, come on. Help me get him inside. The doctor and Jamie struggled into the TARDIS with Parvo. Right. Uh, put him down on the floor. G gently. I'll just get the doors. Right, then. What do we do? We don't do anything. Wait. But you said there was something in the TARDIS. Hey, what's, what's happened to the lights? Look, it started. He's changing. Jamie had to look away from the extraordinary flare of energy. But the Doctor gazed into the heart of it as the features of Commander Parvo's bald head warped and changed into... Oh. oh that is unusual. It's all right, Jamie. You can look now. But it's... But that's... Commander Flail. Yes. Oh, all right. That is a surprise. On the command deck of the Habitat, clerks worked at their computers. They turned in wonder as in one corner of the room. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your attention. I'm your commanding officer. You will do exactly as I say. She twisted the ring on her finger. All protest, all concern faded from the clerks' faces. They stood there, docile and passive, awaiting their instructions. You can return to your work. The doctor and Jamie stood in the doorway of the TARDIS. The sight of them surprised the woman they had known as Flail. The woman who was really Constable Parvo. I said to remain in the capsule. With the same docile look as the clerks, Jamie turned and went back inside the TARDIS. But the doctor remained where he was. That won't work with me. Am I meant to be impressed? Fine. You stand there while I deal with the other renegade. I really wouldn't do that. The monk has to continue his work. I'd heard you were reckless, Doctor. But it's my solemn duty to uphold the laws of time. If you stop the monk now, you'll create an almighty paradox. Where would your precious laws be then? And who would be the renegade? All right. Explain, but swiftly. Jamie and I were here in the not-too-distant future. With your help, we stopped a black hole swallowing the habitat. At least, that's what it seemed like. That's what he's planning. But why a black hole? I don't know. But if you stop him now, that earlier me won't have to stop him later. And then he won't try to get rid of me by sending us to face the Sontarans. And that would mean I don't try to make up for lost time by arriving back here a bit early. You broke the first law of time. Accidentally. And in doing so, saved your life. So, stop the monk now and you break your own precious laws. And you cease to exist. What do you suggest? Let him think. He's got away with killing you. We let him continue with whatever he's up to until the earlier me shows up. Then you pretend you've never met me and we play it out as before. And how long will that take? I, I don't know. I, I didn't check the date. A few days, maybe a week. He might complete his work by then. I already know he won't. Anyway, I know how we can stall him. But I'll need Jamie's help. You'll both need to stay hidden. We can't have you meeting your earlier selves. That never goes well. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yes, all right. We'll keep hidden until the other Doctor and Jamie leave.
Ten days later, Pavo, playing her role as Commander Flail, stood at a computer screen on the control deck. A small square on the screen showed the monk and Victoria. I'm too busy to chase around after that man. I'll tell him if I see him. When I see him. Thank you. And you two are all right? We're surviving. If that's all, we've got quite a lot of reading. All right. Out. The monk and Victoria were gone from the screen. Pavo stood up straight. You heard. They've gone. You're safe. She addressed Jamie and the doctor, stood in the shadows by one wall of the command deck. So you can come out of hiding, and we can finish this. About time. The monk is on the far side of the habitat so we can search his laboratory. Oh, I've been itching to get in there for days. But he's got Victoria. It's all right, Jamie. He's enjoyed looking after her this past week, even though he... He was using her, making me feel guilty by taking her under his wing. So long as she doesn't realise what he really is. Victoria and the monk, the man she thought of as Pavo, sat in a quiet part of the library. But as Victoria spoke, the kindliness faded from the monk's face. Someone wants us to think the black hole is a natural phenomenon. That's right, isn't it? Who? Oh. The monk pointed the small silver baton at her, the weapon he'd brandished before. Oh, very clever, Miss Waterfield. It's a shame, really. I rather enjoyed those artistic flourishes. You. You faked the records, which means you opened the black hole. Why, yes. <laughs> now the doctor's out of the way, I can open it again. And if our people investigate again, they'll see that he was here and assume it was him. Again? What do you mean? With his free hand, he tapped some instructions into the keyboard. There. <laughs> Won't take long now. The doctor and Jamie hurried into the laboratory. Where there had previously been a row of computer banks, there were now just three machines. The room was neat and tidy, with little sign of any work being done in it. Right. Where do we start? We check the computer banks. They should contain all his records. He made his way to one of the computers and tried a few buttons. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing's happening. The lights go on and off, but not in response to anything I press. Then a thought struck him and he reached round to open the back of the computer bank. The computer bank was an empty box with enough space inside to squeeze a body. Jamie tried the backs of the other computer banks. But when he tried the back of the third computer, they refused to open. Uh, uh, it must be jammed. Oh, no, Jamie. Let me. From his pocket, he took the small device, the Statenheim remote control. He pointed it at the computer bank. His TARDIS! But it was destroyed by the black hole! That's what he wanted us to think. Come on, let's look inside. The inside of the monk's TARDIS looked very much like the doctor's. The same central console, the same indented circles in the walls. But some things were different. A comfy chair was littered with children's comics. On the wall hung a painting, the frame slightly blackened where it had been rescued from a fire. It showed a figure walking beside a windmill in the distinctive hand of Van Gogh. The doctor made his way to the controls. I hope you know what you're doing. This looks about right. 
The TV screen showed a simple line graphic of a rotating funnel. That's a black hole. One end of it, yes. We're in the space by the letter Z. You see? If the monk can open a black hole here, he's then got a tunnel that leads to... What's that on the end? I don't know what that symbol represents. Probably something bad. It's the emblem of the seeds. The monk held the baton towards them. Hello there. I'm sorry about this, but would you mind leaving my console alone? I'd prefer not to shoot you, but if you give me no choice... Where's Victoria? Oh, she's safe. I'm not a monster. So, you didn't go to Dastari? He was busy with the Sontarans. We thought we'd pop back later. You sent us there to die. Oh, no, I couldn't imagine the Doctor would find them any trouble. But I thought at least you'd be distracted for a little while. I don't need very long. No, this is all very clever. Using the interior mass of your TARDIS to warp space and time so it opens a black hole. But why? Aye, and what's a seethe? Oh, they exist in a pocket universe cut off from our own. It's a smallish place and they've run out of worlds to conquer. So you're going to bring them here? Well, they break out anyway in 200 years, but by then the Earth Empire is in one of its less happy phases. You mean the Analog Wars? Oh, I see. Your friends, the Seath, don't want to face an army. 20,000 civilians is much easier. Picking on innocent women and children, shame on you. Oh, it's really not that simple. Do you know what the Analog Wars do to this part of the galaxy? The worlds ravaged by mankind... The Museum of Satis has scrolls dating back to the year Sentience Plus Four. I saw it burning. So, you want to put things right? Teach humanity a lesson? Of course. Well, that and the seed will pay me rather handsomely. <laughs> Fixing time isn't without its costs, you see. I do have overheads. You're doing this for money. Trying to kill all these people. Anyone too stupid to run has only got themselves to blame. The people here won't have time to run. Which is unfortunate, yes. But omelettes, eggs, you know this sort of thing. But you can't deliver what you've promised the seed, can you? You failed. The black hole isn't open. Well, there's been some slight delay. You've spent ten days trying to get round it, but whatever you do, it just isn't working. Yeah, I'm sure the seed will understand. Oh, aye, they... Sound an understanding lot. You're too smug. You've done something. Me? <laughs> no. Somehow, this is all you. How could it be? I mean, I wasn't even here. You came back in time. It's the only explanation. Ridiculous. I hardly know how. Uh, it takes a meddler to know a meddler. You've been here all along, of course. And every time I've done anything, your TARDIS countered the effect. What? Two TARDISes perfectly balanced against one another? Oh, that would be rather ingenious, wouldn't it? <laughs> you never change, Doctor. You can't resist a boast, so I'm right. Interesting. Then what if, uh, rather than increase the power, I just turn it off? Oh, I, I don't think that would work. No, no, wait. Oh, excellent. You see, your TARDIS keeps warping space-time, but now there's nothing to cancel out the effect. Turn it back on. Turn it back on. It's creating a black hole. A wormhole. <laughs> exactly as I calculated. You'll destroy us all. Oh, no. Not all of us. I'll be fine. <laughs> Look at the screen. The sea they're emerging.
People throng the ornamental gardens, talking, laughing, going about their lives, until there was a crack in the ceiling, high over the heads of the terrified passengers. From the crack came ropes, and coiling as they fell, down the ropes stood an army of creatures. The seethe. They were humanoid in shape, yet there was something slick and sinuous in their movements. Their armor, or was it their skin, glistened wetly. They carried heavy blasters. And especially large seethe had a crude splash of silver across his back, denoting his high rank. His face, there were no eyes or ears or features, just glistening wet skin. And then the face split open in a Y shape, revealing an enormous, vicious mouth surrounded by razor-sharp teeth. Feast, my creatures! Feast! As people ran and screamed and died, a computer bank materialized in one corner. From it stepped the monk. Captain, welcome. Hello, pleasant journey. Monk, why so much delay? The throng are ravenous. Yes, well, if you... <laughs> I was going to say teething problems. Anyway, a good meal should start with hunger. They stood together watching the devastation. Oh dear, never did like the sight of blood. Most unpleasant. I say... Victoria ignored the distant sound of chaos as she heaved the trolley forward. It was overloaded with huge, thick books, the largest she could find. She wheeled it over to an enormous stack of volumes heaped on the floor. Then she clambered onto the heap to add new books from the trolley to the top. She looked up, and there was still a long way to go before the heat reached the balcony. But Victoria was determined. She clambered down to collect another book, and then... Doctor! Oh, you mean he's not here? Commander Flail, you can fly the TARDIS. My name is Constable Parvo. The man you met, who you thought was called Parvo... ...is really a villain, called Monk. He locked me in here. I was trying to escape. You'll need 302 books to reach the balcony. Good luck. Uh, wait, aren't you here to rescue me? I mean, the doctor did give you his TARDIS. We're working together, but he's disappeared. Well, I could help you look for him. He won't like it if you just leave me here. All right, come with me. It just seems odd to allow lower species inside a TARDIS. No offence. Oh, none taken. Let me just climb down. Oh, it, it, it's funny. Why would they have books in the future anyway? I mean, when they've got computers. Paper books are a good long-term archiving strategy. They're cheap to produce, easy to access, and the format won't be superseded. Then when the analogue wars break out... What is it? I shouldn't tell you about future history. Oh, don't worry. The Doctor took me to a hundred years after my own time. And even further. And into space. Yes, but he's a criminal. 
When this is over, if we survive, it's my duty to arrest him. Why? He's not done anything wrong. He took you to the future. That breaks all laws of time. What? Like when you told me about these analog wars? I'm sure your authorities would love to hear about that. Look at me, Victoria. Look into my eyes. I have never mentioned the analog wars. You have never heard that name. I have told you nothing about future history, and you won't warn the doctor that I am going to arrest him. Now then, let's find the doctor. Uh, oh, yes. But it's funny. Why do they have books in the future? Victoria watched in wonder as Pavo worked the controls. You know how to fly the TARDIS better than the Doctor. It would be easier if he'd not changed basic settings. That man! What do you mean? A TARDIS is linked to its pilot. I ought to be able to use this TARDIS to locate the Doctor, but somehow he's interfered with that system, sharing some of the link. You mean with me? That's how you found me just now. But if I'm here, you can search again. Another link must be him or Jamie. That's what I'm doing. There isn't another link. Does that mean they're dead? Even then, there ought to be a trace level. It's more like... When the black hole affected me, I faded away. That's what's happened, isn't it? The monk did something and now the, the doctor doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. What? We carry on without him. We defeat the monk and the army of Seethe. We patch up the black hole. But what can you do? What I should have done all along. I'm calling my people. She moved round to another part of the console and placed her hands on two raised metallic discs. Pavo closed her eyes and began to mutter something under her breath. Parts of the console exploded. The room was plunged into darkness. The doctor opened his eyes. He was in a deck chair. An umbrella shielded him from the dazzling sunlight. He looked round, but there was a dreamlike sluggishness to his movements. He held a hand up over his eyes to protect himself from the glare of the sunlight as he tried to work out where he was. Sand dunes stretched away into the distance in all directions. The doctor looked down. Jamie lay on the sand inside the shadow cast by the umbrella. He was sleeping peacefully. Jamie, wakey, wakey. Oh, just a bit longer. What? I'm not your mother, Jamie. It's time we were up and about. Where are we? It's like wading through water. It's the gravitational force of the black hole. We're at its center, the singularity. Ah, that's all very well. It's like being at the heart of the storm. It's calm here, but we're surrounded by extraordinary raging forces. You mean we're trapped? That's what the monk would have us believe. He held up his hand, turning it so that Jamie could see that it was empty. Then, with a quick twist, there was something in his fingers. Yon remote control! Ah, uh, but flail, uh, I mean, parvo. 
took it from you. Well, <coughs> I uh, accidentally purloined it before we went down to face the monk. I thought it might be useful, I mean, if we got in any trouble to recall the TARDIS. He squeezed the remote control. Then, when nothing happened, he squeezed again. Oh, oh dear. Being inside a singularity could make things tricky for the old girl. No, wait! With a broad grin on his face, the Doctor made his way to the TARDIS, but his expression changed to one of horror as he went through his pockets. Papa still has the key. However, will we get inside? Doctor! Jamie! Victoria! Oh, I've never been so pleased to see anyone in my life. Well, I'll, I'll just... Uh... He stood awkwardly by the open door of the TARDIS, not sure whether to stay or go, while Victoria held on to Jamie tight. The clerks were busy on the control deck. As they worked at their machines, they glanced back at the main door. It was closed, but pockmarked with dents. A few nervous personnel stood ready by the door, guns raised. No one looked round as the TARDIS materialised. It has become ordinary, unimportant. Or they had been conditioned to think so. Deliberate sabotage. Now, really, I, I couldn't know what specific damage it would do, uh, bringing the TARDIS into the singularity. The Doctor's right. He doesn't know what he's doing with the TARDIS. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you, Victoria. But without those circuits, we can't call in assistance. A lot of people are going to die. They already have. But we'll stop the thief. I'll find a way. You don't have long. Look at the screens. The screens showed an image looking down on an army of seeth as they battered at the door. That's just outside. Jamie joined the personnel, stood nervously by the door. How long will it hold? Well, we're surprised it's been this long. Have you got any more guns? Afraid not. Doctor, we don't stand a chance. If they get through... The door buckled and started to open, revealing angry seeds vying to get in. Clark Jamie had spoken to was the first casualty. Jamie grabbed the dead man's gun and joined the desperate battle. Clarks left their computers to join the fray. They didn't have weapons and didn't stand a chance. Victoria turned to the doctor, just in time to see him rushing inside the TARDIS. The doctor hurriedly worked the controls. Whatever he did, it didn't respond as he wanted. Frustrated, he stopped to look over the controls and rethink his approach. Then he grinned. Oh, of course. He stepped back from the console and from his pocket produced the Stattenheim remote control. Well then, <coughs> anything you can do, I can uh, try to match. Jamie struggled in the grip of a particularly large seed as it tried to bite him. He thrashed with his legs and kicked another seed as it emerged from the narrow gap of the door. But more were pressing through, an army of them. And then they stopped. The seed were frozen like statues. Jamie wriggled free from the grip of the one holding him. Ah, well, let that be a lesson to you. Jamie! She ran to him, but skidded to a halt, not daring to get so close to the huge leeches. Oh, it's all right. They're frozen. See? 
He clonked his knuckles against the seethe he'd escaped from. I wouldn't get too close, Jamie. Brilliant, Doctor. You used your TARDIS in opposition to the monks, and it's frozen them in time. Only for the moment. Uh, as soon as the monk realises, he'll try something else. Like what? I, I, I don't know. The game has just begun. The battle was over in the ornamental gardens. The monk tiptoed gingerly through the bodies littering the pathways. Must be somewhere peaceful around here. Monk. Oh, blast. Hello! Is all the uh, nastiness over? The nastiness has only just started. Oh, wonderful. You are not thinking of leaving us? Oh, of course not. Your check hasn't cleared yet. You get nothing till we have all we desire. And how can I be of assistance? We are prevented from taking the control deck. There is a frustration in our path. The monk considered, then licked a finger and held it up. Yes, I see. Must be that Commander Flail. The doctor said she had a way to compensate for the black hole. Not bad going. Nevertheless... From his pocket, he produced his own Statenheim remote control and gave it a quick click. In the doorway of the control deck, the enormous frozen seethe still held its hand out where it had been throttling Jamie. Slowly, its fingers twitched and closed on empty air. They're moving! Jamie ran to join the fight. The Doctor was already aiming the Statenheim remote control at his TARDIS. Come on! Come on! I don't understand! The Monk increased the warp effect of his TARDIS. The Doctor needs to match it, if he can. It's not exactly easy. Jamie! The seeth smacked Jamie hard across the face, knocking him backward. Jamie lay stunned on the floor as the seeth closed in, its horrible mouth wide open. Everything stopped. The seed and its comrades stood frozen. The poor, battered clerks extracted themselves from the fight. Victoria helped Jamie to his feet. It's okay. I had him exactly where I wanted. The monk sniffed the air. The seed captain came slivering over. Time froze again. We hunger for total conquest. No human can battle a TARDIS. So the Doctor must have escaped. I shall feast on his flesh. Yeah, you'll need to get to him first. But I think I know how. Jamie and the clerk stood poised in front of the frozen sea, waiting for the next attack. The Doctor, Victoria and Pavo were distracted by something on one of the screens. Someone wants to talk. Uh, which button do I press? Ah, Doctor. Victoria too. I don't know. I go to all the trouble of finding somewhere nice to put you. You can't win, Monk. Do you know who this is? Commander Flail. I'm sure she's bright even for a human, but... He stared in wonder because Pavo had twisted the ring on her finger changing its effect. Constable Parvo. Oh, you're almost as sneaky as him. You're under arrest, monk. I'll come quietly, if you come and get me. No? Well, here's another suggestion. Why don't you both surrender to me? That's not going to happen. 
problem. We're at a stalemate, aren't we? The seeds can't get onto the control deck and you can't get up. Well, isn't this a pretty pickle? Oh, actually, I forgot. An army of seed. You know, you're not the only ones in this habitat and there can't be more than a thousand dead people down here. The others must be hiding somewhere. I can't imagine the seed army will leave them alone very long. They're probably going to hunt them down and eat them. Gah, 19,000 and counting. Blimey. You monster! If only there was some way to make me stop them. But nothing's leaving to mind. Oh well, keep in touch. The communication ended. Check life signs on the ship. Living humans on board, 19,456. It can't say how many are wounded. The number on the screen changed. 19,456 became 19,455. Well then. But you can't surrender. Even if you do, the Seas won't let those people live. She's right, and we can't trust the monk. We can't trust him to be devious, but two can play at that game. He pointed the Statenheim remote control at his TARDIS. The monk stepped out of his TARDIS into the ornamental garden. He had a satisfied look on his face, but his expression changed. The seethe were all frozen like statues. Oh, no! The doctor extended the effect of the black hole to cover all of the habitat! <laughs> exactly as I'd planned! He made his way to the frozen seethe leader. Your people are ready. Very slowly, the seethe leader nodded his head. I'll give the order, shall I? He scrutinised a high-tech band on the seethe leader's wrist. I'm awfully sorry about this, Doctor, but if you will insist on interfering, <laughs> that's my job. He pressed a button on the device. <clears throat> seethe Army, good afternoon. Now... Every one of you, as fast as you can go, attack the control deck. Devour everyone there, if you must. The seethe, frozen by the door, started to hiss. Then suddenly, they were surging forward. Have at them! They're getting through! Of them. How can there be hundreds? Because the monk lied. He made me stretch the warp effect to the whole of the habitat. But that means it's weaker at the door. Oh, was that too sneaky for you? The monk leered at them from the screen. He was standing in his TARDIS. I'll surrender, but let the others be. What? Even Constable Parvo? I'll also surrender, if you spare the humans. To save a lower species? Doctor, you must have convinced that these primitives have rights. Oh, she thinks you have a plan. Enough of this. People are going to die. People always die. You don't have to. You and your friends could run away in your TARDIS. I leave the rest of the habitat to the sea. Always aiming for the noble, aren't you? It's an unfortunate side effect, that's all. But none of them are going to live forever. Oh, which is it to be, then? Die honourably with the rest of your beloved humans, or realise that you... <laughs> There's something more important. Doctor? It's your choice, Doctor. 
You're wrong, Monk. You don't give me a choice. Sadly, he held up the Statenheim remote control and pressed it. The console of the Monk's TARDIS sparked and speak. Horrified, the Monk tried to work the controls. What have you done? What have you done? An explosion knocked him from his feet. On the control deck, the Seath continued to battle with Jamie and the Clarks, as what seemed like a hurricane blew up around them. You'll not pass. The Seath had its hand round Jamie's throat and squeezed. You brute! Victoria bashed the Seath with the chair, but the hulking monster shoved her to one side, and then the Seath started to slide. It and the others in utter bafflement slid back through the door. The seed holding Jamie smacked into the side of the door. It grabbed hold of the door frame, but that meant dropping Jamie, who landed on the floor, unconscious. The seed, now hanging lengthways through the chasm of the door, held on tight to the door frame, which crumbled in its claws. The hurricane whipped at the unconscious Jamie's clothes and hair. He started to be dragged towards the door, but Victoria grabbed his ankle and held onto him tight. The doctor, Parvo, and the other clerks were clinging to the desks so as not to be dragged away. Hold tight, Victoria. Don't let Jamie go. The hurricane swept through what remained of the ornamental gardens. Seethe cartwheeled through the air. Some grabbed onto the ragged trees, but the branches broke. The Seethe leader was one of those in the air. Then he saw what he was falling towards. The computer bank that was the monk's tardis. He braced himself for the impact. Monk! Monk! He didn't hit the monk's tardis. He simply disappeared. More seeds followed him, tumbling, sliding. They fell towards the monk's tardis and vanished just before they got there. The monk struggled to his feet. The control room of his TARDIS was thick with smoke. He struggled to look over the readings. <coughs> oh, very clever. You turn off your TARDIS so it's just mine that's warping space-time. So now the black hole's right on my doorstep. And hoovering up my army. But that's simply remedied, isn't it? With relish, he worked the switches and levers and then stopped. One hand was frozen over the controls. The ring he was wearing, the one he'd stolen from Parvo, started to glow. Oh. No! That's not fair! With his other hand, he tried to grab the ring. <laughs> but it burnt him. Instead, he grabbed his own wrist and tried to move his arm. With increasing alarm, he looked around for anything he could use and found someone watching him on the screen. It was Parvo. Well, that was all a lot of fun, wasn't it? Should we call it a draw? There's no need for this. You won. You could be magnanimous. But he couldn't stop his hand reaching for a particular lever. Behind the monk, the doors of the TARDIS started to open. With the hurricane outside, the monk was lifted from his feet. But the hand with the ring on it still clung to the door control lever. He was suspended in the air. Then, the ring still glowing brightly, his fingers slowly opened. Bother.
and he was gone. Victoria clung on to Jamie's ankle as he tried to curl himself round out of the doorway that wanted to swallow him. Nearby, clerks held tight to the furniture and to one another so they'd not be swept away. The doctor wrapped himself round one of the computers, facing away from the next computer along, where the screen showed the inside of the monk's TARDIS. Pavo adjusted the brightly burning ring on her finger. The light switched off. It's over, Doctor! Turn your TARDIS back on! Uh, are you sure? If there's still a few seeds left, we can deal with them. The doctor nodded and reached his hand into his pocket for the Stattenheim remote control. He held it out towards his TARDIS. Oh, oh, no! The hurricane whipped it from his hand. The small device sailed through the air towards the open door, where Jamie caught it. Oh, well done, Jamie. Now, press the wonky squiggle. Right. See? Nothing to it. People worked to clean up the ornamental gardens. A group were busy planting new, young trees. An old man used a cloth to polish the computer bank which stood in one corner. On a bench nearby sat Victoria and Pablo. The first time we met, it wasn't the first time for you. So the doctor and Jamie told you what to do and said. That would have meant a paradox. They gave me a few pointers. If you say so. I couldn't change what had already happened. Even knowing how the black hole would affect you. How are you now? At first, it was like I still didn't exist. Everything was disconnected. Now I'm angry. The monk exploited how I felt to make the doctor guilty. So he'd be eager to do something and go off like he did. And I'm guilty. Because it worked. The fact that you're moving through different emotional states shows you're healing. I suppose the time police teach you what to say? No, but I once read a pamphlet about the brains of lower species. <laughs> you're teasing me. <laughs> and you're laughing, so you're getting better. Ah, here they are, Jamie. So, are we happy? She's going to be fine. Oh, that's a relief. I think the doctor meant Pavlo and the monk's TARDIS. Oh, he'd set some crude defences, but when I declared my authority, the TARDIS shut them down. She's mine now. So you don't need the Doctor's TARDIS? Uh, no, Jamie. I'm a constable of Chapter 9. The Doctor's a notorious criminal. I witnessed him transgress the laws of time. Oh, come on now. He saved your life. And helped send the monk and Seath back to their pocket universe. It would be embarrassing if my colleagues found out I relied on your assistance. You mean, uh, you're letting me go? This once. If anyone asks, you escaped before I could stop you. You'd better remove the Statenheim remote from your TARDIS. I uh, <clears throat> already thought of that. Uh, here. He handed her the small device, Crestfallen, to let it go. Does this mean you won't be able to fly the TARDIS anymore? Uh, I can fly the TARDIS. That just made it a little uh, easier. Aye, and easier for your people to find us. Doctor, they will find you in time. I know. Don't worry. We won't tell them about you and what you did. No, you won't. What do you mean? 
You never met me? Forget the monk. Forget black holes. Forget the name of my people. You were never here. There. If I remember rightly, even with primitives like these two, that sort of thing is against regulations. But uh, thank you. Uh, very clever. He smiled at Pavo, who stared levelly back at him and started to say something. The doctor blinked, and when he opened his eyes, he was standing in the TARDIS. What's clever? What? I thought you said something was very clever. Well, I just said... Uh, I, I was just thinking uh, something important. Doctor, are you all right? Uh, that's the trouble when you two keep interrupting. I forget my train of thought. I'm sure it doesn't matter. Oh dear, oh dear. Now, <coughs> now, where were we? You were going to take us to Scotland. Was I? Aye. To prove to Victoria that you really could make this thing go anywhere you wanted. I don't remember him saying that. Uh, oh, oh, I see. It's Jamie who's being clever, trying to bamboozle us into going where he wants. Oh, well, no. If you can't get us to Scotland... The Doctor can't just take us where we want. He's not in control. Oh, really? Really, indeed. Well, <clears throat> just you wait and see. He started to work the controls. Victoria took Jamie's arm, bracing herself for whatever happened next. <laughs> <laughs>